Hello and welcome to Hell No, a true crime podcast with your host, Laura Lucio. Are you ready for part two? Let's let's just almost get into it. But first, I have to say, when I was listening to part one once it was already up, I noticed I made a speaking error. Uh, it was so minuscule. I'm sure nobody noticed, but I did. I said something like his captor, but what I meant to say was he held captive. Um, to say he did all those things to his captor would mean something totally different. That would be yeah, not something totally different. So I want to clarify my mistake and correct that. So now you know. Also, I said the bunker cost X amount X uh, X amount to build in pounds. What I meant to say was euros. Okay, so part one. We ended on the birth of baby Kirsten in 1988, born in the dungeon. I went over Elizabeth's first day in the dungeon five years before the birth of baby Kirsten and how Joseph explained her disappearance to police, family, and the community, but I have a bit more detail to add into that aspect as well. The note that explained her running away was it was written by her and she would have written it for sure under Joseph's order and he most likely had beaten that note out of her. I did manage to find what the note said, and although it never said the exact words like going to join a cult, that's what Joseph told everyone. The note read that she wanted independence, and she was with people who cared about her, she's safe, and told them not to worry or look for her. And it was Rosemary who went to police the first day Elizabeth Elizabeth was missing, but since Elizabeth was 18 they could do nothing about it. A few days after that was when the note arrived, arrived, and it was Joseph who had gone a few towns over and mailed it to their family home. And then he took that note to police and was like, look, see, she's fine. She ran away to join a cult. And then he just started telling everybody about this cult. Joseph, he played a role of the concerned father and he would go around to towns looking for her and he would tell people he was looking for her and actually what he was doing when he would go looking for her in places like Vienna was he would be stocking up on supplies because he didn't want his neighbors to see what he was buying. The man, he, unfortunately, he is an evil genius. As smart as he was, he was equally as evil. He pretended he was looking for her because Rosemary was so distraught. He would say things to neighbors like, yeah, you know, I just can't stop looking for her. My wife is just so upset that she's missing or ran away. If you haven't listened to part one, I highly recommend going back and starting there because that episode lays the foundation for what's happening in this episode. I mentioned that Joseph would go to another town to buy supplies to avoid suspicion, and that's exactly what he did when he bought supplies for baby Kirsten. He did supply Elizabeth with things like baby food, midwifery, and medical books, and this is something I can't understand, but he also bought the baby a toy rattle. This monster this fritzel monster spent six years building a soundproof dungeon under his house for the sole purpose of imprisoning his own daughter for his own disgusting pleasure and control and when he impregnates her he buys the baby a cute toy rattle i i i i will never understand how this man thinks in his mind when picking out this rattle What was he thinking? 
what was his line of thought there? Usually a gift is a sign of kindness and caring, but he wasn't capable of those emotions. Was this gift fueled by his narcissism? Did he think, well, it's my baby, so it's worthy of something nice? Well, guess what, Fritzel? Elizabeth was your baby one time as well. Do you know what would have been nice, Fritzel? Not enslaving and imprisoning them for two decades. That, that would have been really fucking nice. Two years after the first child was born, she gives birth again in 1990 to a boy named Stefan. Then, like clockwork, another two years in 1992, she gives birth again, but this time to a girl named Lisa. Now that there are three children in the dungeon and Elizabeth, Joseph realizes there's not enough room. And this is when he spends the next few months building a second room, which I believe he labels the parental room. This would have been incredibly hard for so many reasons, but Joseph thought of everything and he was never in a rush. That way he could avoid error and becoming exposed. He said he was building a pool, which explained all the dirt and brick he was excavating. And he actually did. That's how far he took this lie. He actually put in a pool to cover up building this parental room in the dungeon. He even got his son to help with the work required above the dungeon, above ground, and he made Elizabeth help in the dungeon, below ground. Basically, the man hauled out 190 kilograms of dirt in sacks by hand. That is absolutely crazy and shows how determined he was with his insane plan. When the second bedroom is complete, Joseph takes nine-month-old Lisa away from Elizabeth, a plan that Elizabeth, she was in favor for. She didn't fight Joseph on this. And even if she did, it wouldn't have made a difference. The way Elizabeth saw it was that Lisa could live above ground and have a full life of friends and school and sunshine and freedom, most importantly, freedom and fresh air. Okay. But how would Joseph carry out this seemingly impossible plan? Well, he somehow rigs the doorbell, either on a timer or remote, and he places the baby on the doorstep of the family home with a letter attached. This letter he made Elizabeth write, and it basically said, here's my baby, take care of her because I can't. And it also had things in the letter like what the baby had been eating and what she was eating now. After Joseph places the baby on the doorstep, he goes inside where Rosemary is and he waits maybe a minute. The doorbell rings and he says he will answer it. Once he answered the door, he carries inside the baby and the letter and shows Rosemary the baby and the letter from her daughter, who she hasn't seen in about eight years at this time. She has no idea that the father of this baby is her husband. Rosemary is beyond shocked and can't believe what is happening. She repeats over and over again, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Could you imagine that situation? Rosemary thinks Elizabeth is long gone and has abandoned the family. And then one day out of the blue, her baby shows up on the doorstep. Fortunately, Lisa is now free and living above ground, free to feel rain and sun, which ultimately is, is what Elizabeth wanted for her baby. But Joseph wasn't doing this because he wanted Lisa to live a better life. He was doing this because she was loud. She cried a lot and he was worried the sounds would get through and people would hear. And when people hear a crying baby from under the earth, they tend to start asking questions. After all, he did have a lot of tenants living upstairs. Like 
upstairs from the dungeon. Some of them, some of the rooms were directly over the dungeon. Perhaps the reason baby Lisa cried so much and so loud was because she was really sick. Once Lisa was handed over to Rosemary, she went to hospital and was in desperate need of a heart operation among other ailments, most likely related to the lack of nutrients, sun, and fresh air. The appropriate steps were taken through child services, and Lisa was eventually adopted by Rosemary a year later. But below ground, Elizabeth was giving birth to another baby. In 1994, baby Monica was born, and by the end of 1994, in December, Monica was nine months old when discovered in the hallway of the family home after Rosemary answered the telephone and heard Elizabeth explain she had left them another baby. It was a very quick phone call, and Elizabeth hung up before any questions could be asked. But in reality, it was only a recording of Elizabeth's voice that Joseph had had played through a receiver of a payphone a few streets away. But this time, there was one thing Joseph didn't think about, and Rosemary had. When Joseph comes home after making the phone call, Rosemary tells him what has happened and he pretends to be shocked, I'm sure. But then Rosemary says, how did she know this was our phone number? You've had it changed. A man who plans meticulously and takes pride in order surely did not take this mistake well, but... He somehow played it off and there was no way in hell Rosemary would ever express her concerns to her violent and abusive husband. She wasn't, there was no way she could get answers from him. It would just make him angry. He would probably hit her. He was incredibly violent. She was terrified of him, just like all of the children were. So far, Elizabeth had birthed four children underground and all came into the world alive, but her next delivery in 1996 would be one brought up in court later as Joseph was charged with murder. This time, Elizabeth was pregnant with twins, and when she gave birth, one was not doing very well, and she tried so hard with what she had to keep him alive. But without the aid of professionals and much-needed medical equipment, the baby perished away in the dungeon. Fritzl refused to get the baby any help. He knew this baby was suffering and not doing well. And instead of helping this baby, he just allowed it to die. I think the baby was three days old. And instead of being like, hey, maybe I should stop this because I'm actually killing people now. I'm killing babies now. Instead of doing that, what did he do? He burned the baby in the incinerator. The twins were boys, Michael and Alexander. It was Michael who lived for about three short days. 15 months after this, Rosemary was yet again met with a baby. A baby boy named Alexander seemingly dropped off by Elizabeth again. As Elizabeth raised three children in the dungeon the best she could, Joseph took off for a four-week vacation in January of 1998 to Thailand, where he went not only for the sun and beaches, but most important to him, the sex trade industry. While he was there, he was seen buying lingerie and children's clothes, but Rosemary never got that lingerie. The upstairs children never got those clothes, so he was buying that stuff for Elizabeth. 
He got massages, he rode elephants, he went on boats, all the while Elizabeth rationing supplies, not knowing if she would be sealed in that tomb forever in the event that something happened to Joseph on his trip. Joseph had told Elizabeth that if anything ever happened to him and he was not able to open the doors, then they would automatically open after a certain amount of time, like they were on a timer or something like that. But that was a huge lie and no system was ever in place, meaning he was completely willing to die or go into a coma or get stuck in a foreign land while they starved to death underground. That is so fucked up. His trip to Thailand for the sex trade was just a drop in the bucket when it came to satisfying his urges. Joseph had also been frequenting several brothels in Austria near his home two to three times a week. The entire time he had Elizabeth locked in the dungeon. The women who worked at the brothel would usually stop taking him on as a client because of the sick, violent, twisted way he demanded pleasure from them. He would put them in bags and tie the bag tight, telling them he wanted to hear them dying and gasping for air. He would tie them up and he would beat them. He would punch them in the stomach. He would request the cellar room, which I guess they had at this brothel, uh, which had bars and it was damp and it was dark. He would make them wear certain makeup and then call them sluts, bitches, and whores as he acted out rape fantasies on them. He would also demand they not speak, sit up straight, and call him teacher or master. This is just a look into what he was probably doing to Elizabeth. It's just so horrifying. At the brothel, the women were somewhat protected by other workers, but Elizabeth, she was on her own down there. She had nobody to protect her if things went too far, which I'm sure they did. It didn't stop there though. Joseph also made his wife, Rosemary, go to a swingers club with him. And she was really, really not into that at all. She was a modest, quiet, shy housewife. She wanted nothing to do with the swinger life and he forced her to do this. He would make her watch as he had sex with other women and he would stare at her, getting some sick kind of pleasure from how humiliated and uncomfortable she was. One month after his vacation ended, a 10-year-old girl was abducted on the streets of Vienna. And apparently Joseph Fritzl talked about this case a lot. Then in 2006, this girl was discovered at the age of 18. She had been held, listen to that, this blew my fucking mind when I heard about this case and then looked into it. She had been held in an underground bunker with concrete doors reinforced with steel. Sound familiar? Her captor was exposed, but uh, that guy, he killed himself like an hour after she escaped. But that guy, he had no relation to Joseph Fritzl at all. They didn't even know each other. But it's just crazy that there are two men who don't know each other in Austria, you know, in the same country, not far from each other, kidnapping and holding women in the same way. Like how many others are there? How many haven't been discovered? This is absolutely chilling and really raises a lot of social questions for Austrians. Okay, like what is going on in Austria? I don't know, but who who's teaching them about these concrete steel reinforced doors and and you know, taking women prisoner and 
it's just fucked up. Why is this happening? Like this girl eventually went on to write a book on her eight years as a prisoner. And I might cover that case in the future. I don't know. Unlike Elizabeth, this girl, she didn't live underground permanently. She was allowed to go upstairs in the home as long as her abductor could keep a close watch on her. And they even went out in public and they even went on holidays together. So this has a, that case has a few more elements to it. So I don't know much about this case other than those details, but um, I will possibly be purchasing the book that she wrote because she she wrote and published a book on her time being held captive and maybe I can talk about it more in depth later. But when that girl was discovered in 2006, it wouldn't be for another two years until Elizabeth and the children were discovered. In 2002, another baby was born in the dungeon, baby Felix, Elizabeth's seventh child. She had birthed seven children in that dungeon. It's mind-blowing how she is alive. Felix must not have been a loud baby because Joseph left him to live out his life in the dungeon with Elizabeth, Kirsten, and Stefan, while Lisa, Monica, and Alexander lived above ground thinking that their mother had abandoned them. All they knew was that their mother was in a cult and couldn't care for them. But in reality, she was down 11 stairs and behind eight doors just below them. She was so close. I watched a documentary on this case, which is linked in my show notes, of course. And that's where I learned that Joseph was making Elizabeth have all these children because, and this is a quote from the documentary, even if she escapes, who would want a woman with seven children? Mm-hmm. Words of Joseph Fritzel. I keep wanting to say Fritzel. Fritzel. Words of Joseph Fritzel. The words of Joseph Fritzel, everybody. He is a sick bastard. By this, I think he means that if he is caught or when he dies, Elizabeth will never have the life that she wanted before the dungeon because he's given her these seven children and that she will always be tied to him. It seems like a control thing. This is control on the highest level. It is disgusting. He couldn't stand the thought of her leaving him when she turned 18. So he had to ensure a way to control and destroy her life and free will. What the fuck? The children also acted as a means of control in the way of he knew Elizabeth would do anything to protect them and... She essentially lived for them. So this was another way he could control her was by using the children. Throughout the years of hoarding his secret dungeon family, he would act as if it was completely normal. He, this was a completely normal thing he was doing uh, when he went down there. He would talk to the children as Elizabeth would cook for everybody. He would tell them stories and bring them treats and toys. He would even celebrate Christmas and New Year's with them. What the fuck? One year he claims he even brought them a real Christmas tree, which that terrifies me because have you ever heard the saying it went up like a Christmas tree? Because Christmas trees, they're very flammable if they get dry. If a real Christmas tree has those old style Christmas lights on it, you used to see a lot. Not anymore. People use LED, but at this time it would have been those old big bulbs that get really hot. And if the tree gets dry from lack of water in the stand, they ignite in seconds into a huge flaming ball of chaos. Don't believe me? Just Google a video of a dry Christmas tree going up into an inferno. 
Now imagine that scenario in an underground bunker with eight locked doors and no way out. The smoke alone would have killed them very fast. It's just absolutely terrifying. Life was incredibly hard in the dungeon for Elizabeth, especially because she knew there was a world outside. Her children that were raised down there, they had blissful ignorance. Sure, Joseph showed them pictures and they had a television, but they couldn't painfully miss something they never had. Elizabeth was sure to keep a schedule for the children and herself to maintain sanity. She would get them up at the same time every morning, cook them breakfast from her frozen food supplies. By the way, not even their bread was free from frost. Even their bread was frozen. After breakfast, she, she taught them reading and writing and math from books that she had convinced Joseph to bring them. In some sources I read, maybe she was hopeful Um, that one day they would be released because why teach them this if if they're not ever going to be released and to me I I think of myself in Elizabeth's place I think of having three bored children locked up for years on end and it was crucial it would be crucial to keep their minds busy these children could not burn off energy from sports or physical activity or playing with other kids and children who are bored and have pent up energy would make the already gruelish dark life even more unbearable. They would be fussy. They would be crying. They would be screaming. It Just a bored child is not a happy child. It was helpful to everyone if the children had a routine, felt purpose and accomplishment, not to one day integrate them into society, but just to get by day by day locked away. Whenever any of the children got sick, which was all the time. They were always sick. They seemed to be constantly battling colds, flu, breathing issues, and a myriad of other side effects from being extremely vitamin D deficient, malnourished, breathing in stale moldy air, CO2 dominant air, and not getting near enough nutrients in their food. This made them all very ill a lot of the time. And uh, Joseph would throw down some Advil and cough syrup and just tell them to get better. I don't even know if he said get better. He's a monster. He probably didn't even do that. He believed Advil was some kind of miracle pill that would make all the health issues just go away. Later, in a half-hearted attempt to expose them to vitamin D, he brought down a blue bulb and maybe some supplements. In his thinking that the blue bulb, I believe they are ultraviolet, and uh, it would serve as like a minuscule replacement for sunlight and the vitamin D that we get from that. But the entire dungeon would need to be lined with ultraviolet lights if, if it were to make any difference. One day in the spring of 2008, the eldest born in the cellar, Kirsten, became very, very ill. This was like no other time before. Kirsten appeared to be on the brink of death. Elizabeth and Kirsten had such a strong bond and we know that a mother will face even the greatest of fears to save their children and Elizabeth she did just that. She kept telling Joseph how bad Kirsten's health is and begged for him to take her out of the dungeon into the hospital before she dies. She wouldn't give up. She was relentless even though she knew how far-fetched this plan was. She was grasping at straws. She was 
desperate to save her firstborn daughter's life. Elizabeth and Kirsten had never been apart before, never been out of earshot for 19 years. So you could imagine that bond between them was very strong. Kirsten was Elizabeth's firstborn. It was her first reason to live and not give up while being dragged through hell, torture, and abuse for so long. We can only really speculate why Joseph did what he did next. Perhaps it was perhaps it was because he was growing old and maybe sympathy finally started to break through to him in his old age. He was in his 70s by now. His body and mind were just softening. Or maybe he didn't know how to dispose of a grown woman's body in the event Kirsten did die. Baby Michael was different. A tiny baby weighing only a few pounds was easy for him to incinerate you know, when he did that all those years ago, but an entire adult body, that's a complete other story. Although I don't put it past Fretzel as a dismemberer. I feel like he would have no problems dismembering a body. Or maybe Fritzel didn't want to see Kirsten die. Although I find that highly unlikely because I believe when she was really sick and Elizabeth was like, she's going to die. He would say like, whatever happens, happens. Ugh. When Elizabeth pleaded for him to take deathly ill Kirsten to hospital, he started to listen to her. Another theory is that Joseph knew if Kirsten died, then Elizabeth would lose her will to live. And therefore he was now in danger of Elizabeth possibly killing him one day. He was getting older, he was getting weaker. She had two boys down there who were getting bigger. They were young, maybe he, maybe this was something that he had factored in. And also remember, he told them that the doors were on a timer, which would allow them to escape at a certain time. So maybe if she, if she lost her, if she lost Kirsten, she would be like, you know what? I'm just going to kill you and I'm just going to sit here and I'm just going to wait for those doors to open. There is one more theory that has legs because there is proof of it. People speculate Joseph was going to release the family under the story that Elizabeth and her children came home from the cult. There is evidence he was setting up this story. He was laying the groundwork for this. Months earlier, he had made Elizabeth write another letter and had it mailed to the home. Although, upon inspection, it was only mailed from a few towns over. He didn't go very far. It feels like he was getting a bit too comfortable. The letter read that Elizabeth was hoping to come home soon to see her family and live back in Amstetten. Joseph was also purchasing another home. And when asked why he was purchasing another home when he should be enjoying his retirement, he said it was for his grandchildren as he has a lot of them. Was he so delusional that he thought he could integrate the Dungeon family into society and never be caught? I mean, police were looking for Elizabeth, not because they were concerned or she was a missing person, but because they wanted to charge her for abandoning her children on the doorstep of her parents' home. So why did he think all of that was just going to go away when she and the children appear out of nowhere with yellow skin and gingivitis that made their teeth fall out and all of the trauma that, that came with being held captive? Did he just really think he wasn't doing as much damage as he was to these people? These children had never communicated with people from the outside world. They walked differently as a result of being held in a small space their entire lives. They spoke differently. They acted 
differently from somebody brought up in a traditional way. It was later said that the two boys from the dungeon communicated with each other in a sort of grunting language. Only they could understand and they walked hunched over from having to constantly deal with the low ceilings and and small spaces. These children have never felt much organic earth, just some snow Joseph brought them once and a Christmas tree. They had never seen a car, let alone rode in one. Everyday things we do without thinking would have been totally wild for them, like grocery shopping, handling money, communicating communicating with strangers in public. They wouldn't know how to do any of these things and he's just thinking that, oh, I can just bring them out into the world and everything will be fine. He... As smart as he was, he was pretty fucking stupid too. Finally, the day came where Joseph agreed to take Kirsten to the hospital, but he said nobody else could go. Only him and Kirsten. He did, however, need help getting her out of the dungeon. He himself was weak in his old age and Kirsten was literally on her deathbed. She was so weak. She had been having seizures and Elizabeth would have to put a piece of wood in Kirsten's mouth so she wouldn't bite through her her tongue and and lips. The bed she lay on completely saturated in sweat and urine. Her fever was incredibly high. Her lips were swollen. She was in a lot of pain. April 19th, 2008, Joseph, with the help of Elizabeth and Stefan, who was 18 years old at this time and had never been past the first door of the dungeon, finally crossed the barrier between dungeon and freedom. Stefan, 18 years old, when he finally had a breath of fresh air and felt sun, is ironically the same age Elizabeth felt it for the last time. Elizabeth is in her 40s by this time. She hasn't seen the family's garden in 24 years. She hasn't been up those 11 steps in over two decades. Felix was left down below ground while they carried out Kirsten and even though it was just a few moments, it was the longest amount of time Elizabeth has ever left him and him her. As soon as Kirsten was above ground, uh, Elizabeth and uh, Stefan were made to go back down into the dungeon and we can only assume Fritzel made sure to lock every fucking door tight before calling an ambulance for Kirsten. So it was a, it was an extremely brief moment, but they were out of the cellar on that day for moments. Joseph made Elizabeth write a note reading her daughter was not well. She begs them to help Kirsten to get better. She writes that she has been given her aspirin and her condition is getting worse by the day. Kirsten is terrified of people. And um, in a haunting slip up in this letter, Joseph had Elizabeth write. It said, if you have any problems, please ask my father. He is the only person she knows. Why would Joseph have her write that? Because when doctors ask him how he found Kirsten, he says he found her propped up standing in a hallway of his phone with a note from Elizabeth. But how is Kirsten already familiar with Joseph? It doesn't make any sense. I feel like he's panicking at this point. Rosemary saw nothing because she had been sent away by Joseph on a holiday in Italy and the upstairs children were most likely with her on that holiday so the coast was clear to emerge Kristen into the into the world for help. The hospital was deeply concerned with Kirsten's condition and pleaded with Joseph for more information but he was tight-lipped as per usual and told them 
he knew nothing about uh, where she had been living or, or where she had been kept, but he was sure to give them that note he made Elizabeth write. The hospital could see this woman was a very ill and had been kept in terrible conditions. Her skin and teeth were a dead giveaway. When Joseph tells them the cult cover story, they start to think maybe Kirsten had been poisoned and they are desperate to speak with Elizabeth, so desperate that they go to the media and they air on television that they are looking for 42-year-old Elizabeth Fritzel and they urge anyone who knows anything about where she is or anything about her to come forward with information. Elizabeth sees this news story on TV in the dungeon and she's frantic. She needs to get out to see Kirsten and the doctors. One doctor would not give up. He knew something very strange had gone on or is happening. They couldn't find any medical record or any record at all Kirsten even existed. They wanted to know what poison she had possibly been given so they could treat it. But we know it, it wasn't poison she was given. It, it was that her life had been lived in an underground prison and was lacking nutrients and sun and fresh air. That was the poison. Joseph goes home and comes up with a plan. It's clear by this point he is scrambling now and he starts making rash decisions. And for the first time in his life, not thinking about himself, or I guess some could argue he was only thinking about himself in a way to not get caught or done for murder if Kirsten dies and the cellar is exposed, Joseph calls Rosemary and says, oh my God, I can't believe it. Elizabeth is home and brought children with her. This was him setting up the dominoes. By Friday, April 25th, six days after Kirsten was let out of the dungeon, Rosemary was home from Italy. Joseph unlocks all eight doors leading into the dungeon and agrees to release his underground family, but not without rehearsing the story with them first about how they have been living in a cult. Felix is five years old, Stefan 18, and Elizabeth 42. He then brings them all into the upstairs, the first time Felix sees that there is a world beyond what they called the door. Felix took his first breaths of fresh air and felt the natural soft touch of breeze on his face. Stefan had only experienced a moment of this six days earlier and now that they were plunged into the above ground life, there was no going back now. This would have been an absolutely iconic moment for them to be free after so long. I don't have any details on how Rosemary reacted to seeing her long-lost daughter and her grandchildren she had never met before and considering the condition health-wise they were all in I'm sure it was very confusing and emotional meeting them I'm also not completely sold on the idea that none of them let anything slip because just gauging the children's reaction to things like Sunlight and strangers would have surely been enough to arouse suspicion from Rosemary, but even if she was sus, she didn't dare say anything in front of Joseph. And later, it's been proven that Rosemary, she knew nothing about Elizabeth being held in that dungeon and those children. She was probably interrogated by police and asked a ton of questions. Nothing ever came to light on that. She really did not know anything. The next day, Fritzel called the hospital and told them he had located Elizabeth and they were coming to the hospital, but he also told them not to call police. Who? 
okay, first of all, an innocent person would never say, hey, don't call the police because innocent people don't need to say that. But for some reason, Fritzl made it a point to tell them we're coming, but don't call police. Was he so sure that nobody would ever defy his orders that he is now ordering around doctors in which he has no control over? How could he possibly think that would work? For obvious reasons, it did not. And they absolutely called police to tell them Joseph and Elizabeth were coming to the hospital. And then again, they called the police when they arrived. Enter the man who wouldn't take no for an answer when it came to seeing Elizabeth for more information on her daughter's condition. The man responsible for the media alert and for Elizabeth pressing her father to come to the surface. Dr. Rieder. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's either Ryder or Rieder. I'm going to say Rieder. When Dr. Rieder meets Elizabeth for the first time, he notices her condition is extremely poor. She's only 42, but her hair is completely white. She's completely gone gray. She is malnourished and her mouth is suffering severe decay. Um, her skin is yellow, has that like yellowish hue and is really white just like Kirsten's. Joseph will not leave Elizabeth's side and is listening to every word she tells the doctor. And he's also like intervening to answer the questions before she can most of the time. The doctor learns nothing new from Elizabeth as her answers were, I don't know and no, when asked where Kirsten had been living and had she ever seen a doctor before. So they got nothing new, no new information from Elizabeth at that time. Kirsten's condition was extremely dire. Doctors were doing everything they could to help her and they couldn't understand why Elizabeth couldn't offer up any useful information. But that doesn't last long because as Joseph and Elizabeth are leaving the hospital, they are asked to come to the police station by two police officers waiting for them outside. Joseph actually agrees and goes peacefully and wherever he goes so does Elizabeth I mean it's not like they had a choice after all they both had to go little did police know a huge case was about to come to light one that would add to the dark history of Austria forever at the station the two are separated and questioned in different rooms I'm sure Joseph was so confident Elizabeth wouldn't turn on him. He probably thought he had beat her into submission for good, but he never took into account that perhaps the police would threaten to take away Elizabeth's children, given the abuse Kirsten had been put through, and also the abandoned children on the doorstep of her parents' home they still wanted to talk to Elizabeth about, considering that's illegal. It was illegal at that time, could still be illegal. I'm not familiar with Austrian law and abandoning children, but they thought that Elizabeth was not a victim at this point. They thought that she was someone who needed to be arrested. Elizabeth had just got her freedom back after 24 years and police were not only threatening to take her children away, but they were also threatening to take away her newfound freedom with a prison sentence. Faced with the possibility that she would have to endure captivity again and this time without her reasons to live, she spills the beans. And by spills the beans, I mean that fucking can explodes. At first, Elizabeth wasn't saying anything much to police, but after the threats made by police, she says she's got one hell of a story for them. That's not an exact quote, that's my words. But 
they must promise her something first before she tells them this. She wanted them to promise her that her and her children are never to see Joseph Fritzl again and they agree to these terms. For the next two hours she blows their minds. They actually can't believe what they are hearing and they record the entire thing. Meanwhile, Joseph is in another room thinking he's getting away with his crimes and he's so smart until the police come in and arrest him. Boom, Fritzel. Now you're going to be Fritzeld. And by Fritzeld, I mean held in captivity without free will. And the fact that crimes against women and rape are highly looked down upon in prison, it wouldn't surprise me if he was subjected to the same horrific acts he committed upon Elizabeth in the dungeon, which led to the birth of her seven children, if you know what I mean. You know what I mean. The monster is finally handcuffed. Finally. Finally. Police immediately went to retrieve Stefan and Felix from Rosemary. They don't know how far this is. This goes. You know, they can't rule out the fact that maybe Rosemary had something to do with it and the children are, are still there with her. It was nighttime still, maybe around 4 a.m. when they took the two boys from the home where they sat on the couch with Rosemary and the boys were so excited to be riding in a car and to see the moon. Felix looked at the moon and asked the police officers if that's where God lives. The officers who collected the boys were emotional at the question the boys were asking and how they reacted when driving. They were moving at speeds they never imagined and when passing a car like a car would go by they would jump back and like hide under the seats and hide behind the seats and like giggle and laugh because they would like were thinking the car's gonna smash into them they were excited seeing the world for the first time Felix found his new love of cars. It was a passion he never knew existed in him. At the police station they were greeted by their mother Elizabeth and I'm sure they were telling her all about the car ride in the moon. I'm sure they came in and they were like, oh my God, mom, we were in a car and it drove really fast and there was all these cars coming at us and then there was a moon and I think that's where God lives. And It just would have been so innocent and so pure and that would have been a beautiful moment. The morning of April 27th in 2008 was when the underground dungeon was opened by Fritzel for the last time as he took police through the doors only he could open and they saw everything. Could you even imagine being those officers? It is exactly like some, it is exactly like something out of a horror movie. I know I say that in almost every episode, but this is truly haunting. The secret dungeon they were led to was horrifying. It smelled worse than anything any of them had ever smelled. The walls coated in slimy residue. Mold was running rampant. The air was stale and foul. Apparently the toilet didn't work very well and there was a lot of human waste going into it. How anyone could survive down there for 24 years was beyond belief. Joseph was fully exposed now. Everyone knew what a fucking evil prick this son of a bitch was. Is. He's still alive. Investigators now had to process the crime scene and it was a lot to process. 24 years of hell, rape, abuse, and captivity. They had to work in two-hour shifts because the conditions were so 
dangerous and breathing was a huge challenge. They had to keep coming up for air. The dungeon was heartbreaking as well. And they were ordered psychological counseling later. Pictures drawn by young children hung around the spaces. Children's, children's toys and books strewn about the grim, dark, dank dungeon. It was a lot to take in. It was unimaginable what had happened in there. Because you have this horrific horrific scene down there you have this dungeon that is just in terrible conditions at one time there was rats in it there was water dripping from the ceiling it was just terrible and then to find evidence everywhere that children live down there it just adds that extra element of disturbed the police surmised from Elizabeth's confession, she was raped nearly 3,000 times in those 24 years. Only a truly evil monster could do what Joseph Ritzel did. And I don't mean to get all biblical, but God himself would not be able to forgive such actions. I am certain there is a special place in hell waiting for him. After the crime scene was combed through and evidence collected, Rosemary had to see it for herself. She was the only person allowed to enter once discovered by police. She went down there to collect some of the children's things that they wanted and also to see what she had been living above unknowingly for 24 years. Her daughter had been held captive just 11 steps away from her. Rosemary would have felt absolutely sick at what she saw down there. She cried and... It just, it made the situation even worse for her. It didn't clarify anything. It just added another level of depravity to this story. She sat on the bed and she just cried. After 40 minutes, she left and never returned down those stairs ever again. I was saying how police collected evidence. Well, one piece of evidence was an eerie photo album, which contained pictures of the upstairs family in one half of the photo album. And then in the other half of the photo album was photos he took of the family who lived in the dungeon. He made a disgusting family photo album of his two families. When this case quickly made it to the media's attention, it exploded. Journalists from around the world raced to Amstetten to cover the story. This case was worldwide and everybody was watching. The police had mountains of evidence, but the next question was what to charge him with so it would stick and ensure he was never free again. Joseph actually thought he would be free to live with his wife, Rosemary, and never thought he would receive a life sentence, which, spoiler alert, he did. He was charged with uh, the murder of baby Michael. He was charged with incest, which apparently carries a one-year prison sentence in Austria. Uh, he was charged with rape. He was charged with false imprisonment, enslavement, and also two assault charges. So I don't know about the, I don't have details on the assault charges, but he probably should have been charged for about 3,000 rapes and probably 3,000 assaults, maybe more. He pleaded not guilty to some of the charges, but then later changed his mind and pled guilty to everything. He did this probably because he was advised by his lawyer that his sentence would be reduced if he pled guilty um, because Joseph Fris Fritzel, Friskel, I always want to say Friskel. Joseph Fritzel is a man who never 
believes he is guilty of anything he does. He thinks that he can control everything and everything is his and he can abuse and fuck up whatever he wants and he shouldn't be held accountable. He is proper narcissist, psychopath, sociopath. I don't know. Maybe a mixture of all of them. When in court, the recorded testimony of Elizabeth was played for the jury and Joseph was there. And apparently Joseph cried and said he didn't realize he had been causing her so much pain. He didn't say that exactly, but it was like, it was, that, that was the gist of it. He also said that he's deeply sorry for what he's done, but he can't change it. Like that makes it any better, you fucking prick. Oh, you're sorry, but hey, let's just forget about it because we can't change the past. Fucking Fritzl. The juror's vote was unanimous and they, and he was found guilty on everything and he ended up getting a life sentence with possibility of parole in 15 years, which I don't love that that's an option for him. But even if he does, even if, even if he is eligible for parole in 15 years after his sentencing, which I believe was in 2009, he'll be almost 90 years old. I think he'd be like 88 or something. I think he was 71 when he was charged. Uh, I did find some updated articles on this and it said he had been in a psychiatric jail in Austria. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, because it was so publicized and everyone knew what he had done, he was most likely a target and probably other prisoners made his life unbearable. Hopefully they still do anytime they could. It's, I read somewhere that highly publicized cases when the um, perpetrator goes into prison, for some reason they're more targeted. And then that topped with the fact that his crimes were against women and children and they were very disgusting and sick and demented he would have been a huge target in prison the latest articles i read say that he is uh declining in health and he's been showing signs of dementia he also changed his name to joseph Merhoff, which um that just concretes my thoughts that he was being targeted in prison he shouldn't be allowed to change his name if you ask me but you know hey who's asking joseph ritzel he deserves everything he gets and more he shouldn't be allowed to hide behind a fake name Mm -mm, no. Joseph claims he imprisoned his daughter to keep her out of trouble and to protect her. And I wonder if he actually believes this because just looking at the conditions of the dungeon and the health problems they suffered is enough to call a load of bullshit on that. As I said earlier, there were a lot of tenants over the years who lived feet from where the family was held captive and a few of them talked about the time they lived there um, they did see joseph bringing bags of supplies down into the cellar one tenant said his dog used to bark at the floor and looking back at that he thinks his dog could hear the prisoners down there and that joseph didn't like his dog and i think they actually ended up um, not being able to live there anymore because Joseph didn't want the dog there. But maybe it's because Joseph knew dogs have great hearing and could hear things that people couldn't. One tenant asked uh, Joseph one day why his electricity bill was so high because it shouldn't be as much as it was for how little power he used. And Joseph kicked him out. He was like, oh yeah, get out. Uh-huh. He now wishes he would have taken that matter to counsel and perhaps they would have investigated it and found Elizabeth sooner. One tenant who lived above the dungeon asked Fritzel, 
about uh, noises he was hearing. And Fritzl explained it away as a heating system. So I don't know which noise, maybe some bumping and banging he was hearing down there. It didn't really elaborate on what exactly he was hearing, but that's how uh, Joseph Fritzl explained that away. In an extremely haunting tell-all, another tenant says the house smelled really bad for a few days. He said it was like no smell he had ever smelled before or after. And when police put together a timeline, they discovered that was around the time when Joseph burned baby Michael in the incinerator. And the incinerator supplied heat to the home. So it is believed that smell was burning human flesh. I do want to end this on a good note as if there could ever be one in this case, but Kirsten did recover after a long time in hospital and was reunited with her family. Elizabeth, Kirsten, Stefan, and Felix were housed in a hospital and received therapy as well as her children that were taken from her and raised upstairs. I could imagine it was really hard those children leaving Rosemary for Elizabeth. I think they did it really slowly. I read in the book that they did all of their therapy very slow. That was a crucial uh, part of their recovery was taking the tiniest, tiniest steps toward rehabilitating them. After a lot of care and help, we only know that today, Elizabeth, who has changed her identity, lives with her six children somewhere in Austria in a place only known as Village X. Uh, I believe Elizabeth would be in her 50s now. But whatever happened to that house of absolute horror and torture they were imprisoned in for all those years? What happened to that dungeon? I was shocked to discover the answer. When something like this happens, usually the place is torn down. I've covered cases where there's been murders or in the hoarding cases or whatever. And things were like, mm, terrible things have happened those houses usually get torn down. Not all of them, but usually. And I feel like this is at a degree of horror that it shouldn't have even been a question. They should have torn everything down. They should have ripped out that dungeon. They should have cemented the earth and, I don't know, built a church on it or something. So after it sat empty for eight years, it was then sold. And now houses new tenants. People actually live in Joseph Fritzl's old bedroom like they actually live in it still I can only say that I hope they put windows in that dungeon and check it often that I just I don't like that that dungeon still exists better yet fill it with cement just get it gone uh so whew, that is finally the end of this episode and I will be happy the day I read an article that Joseph Fritzl has died in prison in fact I will update everyone when it does happen this case is like no other case I have heard of before. There are similar cases to this, but nothing to that degree. After researching this case, I was noticing how grateful I felt when I would walk my dog, go for hikes, drive my car, breathe fresh air, feel the sun, feel the rain, and, and just do those things in life that are free choice and enjoyable that sometimes we forget to appreciate. I can't imagine what Elizabeth went through and I fully support her decision to stay anonymous and live her best life 
She's under a new name now. She lives in an unknown village. She has never once been photographed or interviewed uh, since she got away from the dungeon, which is impressive because photos of her were probably going for a lot of money. And there isn't a single one of her when she's over the age of 18, as far as I know. I hope she is getting lots of outdoor time in the mountains and I hope she's swimming in lakes, and I hope all of her children, who are now adults now, have found a passion and are feeling fulfilled in life. I just really hope the best for her. If you would like to see photos regarding this case, please visit the Hell No, A True Crime podcast Instagram, uh, and I will be putting up some photos of the dungeon. I'll post those there. So, to Joseph Fritzel, I say hell know. Um, I would really appreciate it if you shared my podcast with your friends and family who are into true crime. I really hope that they like it if they give it a listen. Uh, and please rate and review it on whatever platform you are streaming on. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Bye!